In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, today we celebrate the liturgy, the Mass that is called the Sunday next before Advent. What does that tell us? Next week we begin our journey led by Christ and with Christ and in Christ through this blessed season of Advent. And so the season of Advent, let's remember, the church calls it a penitential season, which tells us it's a season where we are to grow in the blessed experience of true repentance as we walk in fellowship with our God. The blessed season of repentance. My friends, it's very important before we launch into a season like this. And our Lord saw fit in His wisdom of how important this is to communicate to us that as we prepare ourselves, which is what this week is all about, as we prepare ourselves to journey with Christ through Advent, that first and foremost, we see the nature of God towards us clearly. If this is going to be a season of repentance, we must see how Christ sees us and how He comes to us. Which is why in the introit of this Mass, the choir sang words that hearken of the prophet Jeremiah. They are the Lord's words to us. Listen to the words that were sung, said over you by our Lord. The words of the introit were this, Thus says the Lord, I know the thoughts that I have for you. Thoughts of peace and not affliction. You shall call upon me and I shall come to you and I will bring you out of your captivity. What is the disposition of God towards his people? What is the nature of God towards us all? His disposition is you come, my people, and you call to me. You offer yourselves to me. And what do we call to the Lord? Lord, have mercy. Lord, forgive us. Lord, grant us grace. Lord, come and deliver us from all of our bondage and heal the woundedness in our souls. That's the call He wants from our heart of hearts to offer to Him. And what does He say He will do? When you call upon Me, He said, I will come to you. When you come to Me with that, with that heart that wants to be healed, I will come to you and I will release you from all of your captivities. This is the God that we come to. This is the disposition of our Father in heaven. And we are sons and daughters of that Father. And so we come before Him with that blessed invitation. Or I pray that we do. So that we can experience, because this is what He wants. So that we can experience the absolute joy and contentment and peace in our soul that comes from the experience of the life of God within us. And also that we can come from the experience, because He desires this as well, that His life lives through us for the salvation of the world, which is why you have the collect prayer of this very Mass given by our Lord that we should pray, that says this, Lord, stir up, we beseech Thee, O Lord the wills of thy faithful people, that they plenteously bringing forth the fruit of good works. Whose works? The work of Christ. 
that they bringing forth the fruit of good works may by thee be plenteously rewarded. My friends, there is such incredible joy, the joy of heaven, when we experience the God of all love and mercy in flesh himself through us and save and touch another's life. So this is what we're heading into, that we might reach that life. The experience of the joy of fellowship with Christ daily. The experience of the joy of His salvation. The living waters gushing through every vessel that He's filled. And springing up life everywhere those living waters go. And so as we enter into Advent, next Sunday, the penitential season of blessed repentance, remember that God desires to heal. He does not desire to discard. He does not desire to shame. He does not desire to bring us to reproach. His desire is to gather us up and heal him within him, heal us within himself. And so now we look to God as we seek to call upon him throughout Advent. And this is what the preparation today is all about. How, how shall we call upon you during the blessed season of Advent? And so we're given. In our gospel reading from the gospel of St. John in chapter 6, we're given the narrative where Christ feeds the 5,000 men. And I say men very particularly. That's what scripture says. There were women and children there. This was an incredible horde of people. And they had been with Jesus for days, not in a village. They were out in the wilderness a bit. They had been with Jesus for days. And what was he doing? He was teaching them, therefore manifesting by his word the kingdom of God to them as they sat before him and heard him speak. He was manifesting the kingdom of God as he was releasing them, healing them of all of their diseases for days. Can you imagine what this must have been like? But they had run out of food and they had been days without food. And our Lord is concerned for them. And he tells this to his disciples. And his disciples, you can imagine it, if it were us and we're out there and the Lord desires to feed them, we would look around and look, how? How? And if you remember in, in the other gospel readings of this narrative, it's right at that point that our Lord Jesus Christ invites his disciples to join in with him to the miraculous work that he was about to do. How does he do that? He looks at them and one question he asks, what do you have? What do you have? And they look around and they see a lad, a young man. And they say, this lad has five loaves of bread and a couple of small fish. And what do they do with the little that they have? Knowing that there is no way that those five loaves, anything they can offer those few fish, knowing that nothing they could offer could satisfy the needs of 5,000 men plus women and children. What do they do? They give it to them. They offer them all, him all that they have. And he takes the offering that is so insufficient for the need. And what does he do? He takes it and he blesses it and he fills it with his sufficiency. And not only was everyone fed, but there was plenty left over. He asked the disciples to join him. Just offer what they had no more. That's all he asks. And he adds so much more to complete the work of God. The miraculous wonder of heaven. You've heard me speak about this from the perspective. If we will simply offer just what we have. 
as insufficient as we are. That God will be through Christ by the Holy Spirit the sufficiency for every good work of salvation if we'll just offer. He will bless. And today we're going to go beyond that. Not just about the blessing of the kingdom of God, but we need to take this same posture upon us as we enter into Lent. Because the Lord indeed asks us, uh, sorry, Advent, let's not rush ahead. We'll get there. Advent. Our Lord asks us to offer ourselves to Him by calling upon Him. But he asks us to offer three things in particular to him during Advent. Before I even go to those three things, by nod of head, do you believe that Jesus Christ has created us by his word, each one of us? Yes. Do you believe then that the God who created us knows how to save us? Yes. This God gives us as our great physician prescriptions for the healing of our soul and for salvation. And so in Advent, our Lord asks us to offer to him three things that we want to talk about today. Because it's through the offering of these three things that we will be enabled to call upon him and he will come to us. The Lord asks us to offer us an increase of fasting. An increase of fasting. Throughout Advent, there are days where we do not eat before noon, and then we only eat a portion and then one full meal, and we abstain from meat and the juices thereof. He asked us to increase our fasting. With that, and by the way, all of these three things must be seen as interwoven and organic together, not separate. He asked us to increase our fasting. He asks us to increase our prayer. And he asks us to increase our almsgiving. So that throughout Advent we are deliberately paying attention to those who are suffering around us. And we grow in the compassion of Christ within us to act on their behalf. To ease their suffering. Those three things he calls us to offer to himself. So let's look at each one of them and why he asks and what they produce in our lives. You need to be encouraged by this. Fasting first. My friends, as we deny ourselves, our physical body, and I say this very honestly, as we deny ourselves a little bit of food, our Lord is not asking us to starve to death. He's asking us to back it off a notch. And as we do in our bodies, in our, and he knew this would happen, in our bodies, we begin to have a little bit of discomfort because we're used to eating more in certain foods of certain natures. So it creates a little bit of discomfort. And I say it again, a little bit of discomfort. And it also creates a hunger in our physical bodies because, again, we're used to more. By grace, when we encounter that hunger, it is our Lord's desire that if we will offer this up to Him, that by grace that hunger gets turned toward Him. That we begin to hunger and thirst after the one who said, I was the manna, I am the manna in the desert, I am your bread of life. 
And with a physical hunger, it presses ourselves to drive into him, to lean into him, that he might become our all in all. Was it not our Lord Jesus Christ who said, and you heard it if you were here at Matins this morning in the, in the reading for Matins. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. You've heard me say this before, and this ties right into fasting. Jesus is talking about someone who's literally starving. Someone who hungers, the word there is a profoundly strong word. Someone who hasn't eaten in days and days and days. And when they see a little piece of food, what do they do? They press towards it. Because they have to have it for their survival. In the same way, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after Christ and His righteousness. For they will be filled. They will be filled. My friends, there's something else in fasting that develops in us by the gift of the Holy Spirit and His grace. It is the blessed fruit of self-control, so needed by the Christian every moment of every day. And how does it develop? My friends, we think we need so much. And so when we back off our food intake and change the type of food, there is a craving that comes in us that in order to keep the fast, we must live by the Holy Spirit in self-control to accomplish it. And He gives the grace for it. Why? Because our Lord knows us. He created us and knows how to save us. And He knows that if we will govern our bellies, if we will govern our stomachs, and walk in self-control knowing I really don't need all that I think I need. All I need is you. We place ourselves in Christ in those moments. And we do that with our stomachs. By grace, He transforms our lives to grow in the self-control. So that when all of the temptations of this world from our flesh and from Satan come our way, we are satisfied in God and we do not need the other. That's what self-control is all about. Keeping oneself in Christ. And when the temptations come and hit, we are already in Christ. And we've put on the armor of God as we talked about last week. And the fiery darts of the enemy bounce off so tremendously freely. This is why we fast. But not fasting alone. With fasting, we increase our prayer. I want you to hear this. We press, and this has been a theme for us for this month and a half, and you know this. We are to press into the very fellowship of God with prayer, like we spoke about in Sunday school last week. We are to press ourselves into that blessed garden fellowship with God where we experience Him in our times of prayer. And we begin to experience Him in the back of our mind, praying, as Paul says, without ceasing. Because it is that blessed fellowship with our Heavenly Father that we lost in the fall. That has been regained through Christ and it is rediscovered and re-experienced to the transformation of our souls in prayer. In holy prayer. In spirit and in truth. And our Lord knows this. Fasting without prayer, my friends, is useless. All you'll have is physical discomfort. All you will, but you might drop a few pounds. <laughs> All you will have is physical discomfort and a craving for things 
But when prayer is joined to fasting, I want you to hear the words of St. Basil the Great, who was a bishop around A.D. 370. Listen to what he says about fasting, knowing as accompanied by prayer. He says, fasting gives birth to prophets and strengthens the powerful. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. Fasting is a good safeguard for the soul, a steadfast companion for the body, a weapon for the valiant, and a gymnasium for the athlete. Fasting repels temptations. It anoints us with holiness. It is the comrade of spiritual watchfulness and the craftsman of chastity. In war, fasting fights bravely. And in peace, it teaches stillness. Why is all of that true? Because fasting accompanied with prayer is fasting in Christ who grants us all of this. And he wants to grant us all of this for the experience of him. And in our fasting and our prayer, we increase almsgiving. Why? Why is it necessary that it is encompassed in fasting and prayer? Because when we are fasting and praying and fellowshipping with God, our eyes become His eyes on this world. Our heart becomes His heart in this world. And we see the suffering the way that He sees the blessed suffering. And we gain His compassion into our being. And we act. And the suffering are relieved by the hand of God stretched forth through our imperfect persons. Listen to what St. John Chrysostom says about almsgiving. Lift up and stretch out your hands not to heaven but to the poor. For if you stretch out your hands to the poor, you have reached the summit of heaven. But if you lift up your hands in prayer without sharing to the poor, it is worth nothing. Every family should have a room where Christ is welcomed in the person of the hungry and thirsty stranger. The poor, listen to this, the poor are a greater temple than the sanctuary. The poor are an altar that you can raise anywhere on any street and offer up the liturgy at any hour. Why? How is it that we can worship Christ so vividly as St. John Chrysostom says, when we attend to the poor, when we give with the heart of Christ? Because of what our Lord Jesus Christ says, when you've done it to the least of these, you are experiencing me. You have done it unto me. And there we fellowship. And there I show up. And not only do I care for the one that you have brought me to. But I heal your soul in the doing. And I bring you salvation. The question comes to us when we look how we are going to journey through this Advent. Our Lord asks you sincerely by our gospel reading today. What do you have? My friends, I say this because I love you. If you do not attend with all that's in your heart the best that you can by the grace you've been given, not by your own efforts. 
But if you will attend to prayer and fasting and almsgiving throughout Advent, and only if you attend to those things, you will be calling on the Lord, and He will come to you, and He will deliver you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.